Let us pray. May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Today's reading was an account of the resurrection. This earth-shattering event that happened nearly 2,000 years ago. Last Sunday we heard Matthew's account of it. This Sunday we've heard John's account of it. Minor differences in those accounts, not surprising, they were written by different people, but the same message is there for everyone. Now the resurrection is sometimes difficult for some people to grasp if they are truly honest in the matter. But what is not at all difficult to grasp is the result of the, resurrec of the resurrection. We are here today and millions of Christians the wide world over gather because of that event. It was an impact, it was an event with an impact so profound that all have been affected by it, believer and non-believer. The whole of Western culture derived from that, that critical event. Oh, those, those who bore witness to it, those we heard about this morning, could not possibly have known that that would be the result. Now, as far as the disciples were concerned, the, re the resurrection was a local event no kind of international connections whatever. Their Lord had risen, and as a result, they felt to come impelled to bear witness to the fact and to preach the gospel that their Lord and Saviour had imparted to them for the previous three years. What a thrilling climax this was to something that had seemed to go so badly wrong. Three years previously, Jesus had called his disciples. They answered, and in a human faltering way, they followed. Nothing particularly unusual about this, oddly enough. Historians will tell us that it was not at all unusual in those days for wandering preachers or teachers to roam the countryside, gather up a few devoted followers and preach to all who would listen, but usually nothing came of it, and they faded away rather quickly. But this man, this person, seemed to be vastly different. There was no faltering in his message, no diminution in his commitment and enthusiasm. Crowds flocked around him and hung on his words, and finally, he went with his devoted disciples to Jerusalem, and then disaster. He was apprehended, tried, sentenced, and executed like a common criminal. It was all over for the disciples. Their leader was dead, and with him all their hopes and dreams for a new day had died. It had all been for nothing, or so it seemed, Evil had triumphed over goodness. The bad guys had won. Now, joy must have been the last emotion that the disciples were feeling early on Easter morning. Not only had their Lord and Saviour gone, 
but they had the added burden of knowing that they had all run away in cowardice. And Peter, as we know, had denied that he had ever known anything about Jesus. The most likely emotions of the disciples would have been perhaps the relief that they'd escaped judgment, self-recrimination perhaps at their cowardice, and probably a strong desire to go back home and forget all about it. Now, it's worth noting at this point that the events before, that before all of this happened, Jesus had prepared his disciples for the worst. Chapters 14 and 17 of John's Gospel, something known to theologians as the farewell discourse, is given over totally to the words of Jesus as he prepared his disciples for the worst. But importantly, he also told his disciples that their grief would be replaced by joy. The words that you often hear at funerals, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, in fact, comes from this fair, famous farewell discourse that Jesus gave to his disciples. And here is another one, and this is in John 16. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. So you can see that Jesus was preparing his disciples to expect the absolute worst, but all would be well in the end, and in the end there would be rejoicing. Now, although Jesus had imparted this to his disciples, I don't suppose that they were feeling particularly joyful at all. They probably, I, come out, I can't imagine they were thinking, well, everything's gone wrong, but it's all going to be all right, Jesus has told us. That would not have been the thought in their mind. Their thought, I think, would have been they had lost the one they loved. Now, when the fact of the resurrection dawned on the disciples, one might have thought that at that point they would be full of joy, full of the joy that the Master had told them that they would experience. And we must assume that that was the case, but the biblical account is quite muted on this. There is no high drama, there is no recording of expressions of extreme joy, Matthew's Gospel tells us that the women, filled with joy, hurried from the tomb and ran to tell the disciples, but nowhere do we read anything of the reaction of the disciples of them, themselves. John's Gospel records that Mary Magdalene saw Peter and another unnamed disciple and told them the glorious news, but other than this, no mention of any joy, no mention of the joy that Jesus had promised to his disciples. But it's often said that actions speak louder than words, and this appears to have been true of the disciples. Their joy was expressed in action. Initially, as the Acts of the Apostles tell us, the disciples and followers just to continue to meet and pray and discuss things. Then, on the day of Pentecost, that glorious day, they felt empowered to preach 
and teach openly and were tremendously successful in propagating the faith that they had received from Jesus himself, not only in Israel, but all over Asia Minor. The Acts of the Apostles contains enthralling accounts of the way in which the disciples and their early convent converts heeded the Lord's words and began to preach to all nations. As one writer put it, the Acts of the Apostles is a story of men who were filled with divine power and inspired to speak with an effectiveness beyond their native ability, with staggering progress. Let us thank God for this important change, for had this step not been taken, we might not be experiencing the blessings of faith now. And what lessons can we learn from this? One lesson is that God is always in the forefront of the battle against evil. Evil may seem to triumph, as in the case of the crucifixion, but right will triumph. If we ever start to think of the power and, the power and violence win the day, we only need to look at the cross to realize that in its weakness, it proved to be mightier than the sword. The might of the Roman Empire has long gone. The Roman emperors ruled over a very large part of the world, including the land where Jesus was born. The Roman emperors have gone. The Roman Empire has gone. But Christ still remains and reigns supreme in the life of millions of people. Whenever we feel beaten, we need to look to the cross and the empty tomb as a source of strength and inspiration. As one hymn writer beautifully put it, praise to the Lord who when darkness of sin is abounding, who when the godless do triumph, all virtues confounding, sheddeth his light, chaseth the horrors of night, saints with his mercy surrounding. And another lesson is that the risen Christ can dwell in our hearts and lives. The disciples thought that it was all over on that glorious Eastern day when they discovered that it was not the but then they discovered that it was not the end but a glorious beginning. Their transformation from fearful men to towers of strength and preachers of the gospel is something and, 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 and what led eventually to suffering for themselves is only, express, only possible to, extend, uh, to understand by the presence of Christ in their lives. And in a less dramatic way, we too can experience the presence of Christ in our lives. We can be resurrection people, people with joy in our hearts. We can experience resurrection joy and communicate it to others. There's a wonderful hymn by Isaac Watts starts with these words. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room 
and heaven and nature sing. Wonderful words. May the risen Christ lead us into new life, new light and new hope. And may we, all of us, always feel a sense of resurrection joy as we proceed through our lives. Amen.